When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. That's George Fan, the extra tackle in motion. He can also be a tight end. Oh, a little trickery here. Wilson gets it back, looking, airing it deep, going for it all, and he's got it for the touchdown. Malik Turner falls it in for Seattle. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. I'm back. I'm refreshed. I did nothing yesterday. I, you know what I did? I bought a little box of those Christmas trees and a case of Diet Dr Pepper, and I watched every game yesterday. And that was all I did, Jonathan. That was how I spent my day. Why am I not surprised by the Diet Dr Pepper one? Though? Yeah, but did you know that I love those little Christmas trees? I didn't. But now box. I know. Yeah, they're delicious. Now I know for a Christmas yep. present. So that's how I spent my day. And watched a ton of football, including the Seattle game. And now I have lots of overreactions and observations to share with our journeyman quarterback correspondent, Sage Rosenfels. What is up, Sage? Not much, guys. I did not watch that much football yesterday. I watched uh, football, as in my daughter playing soccer in St. Louis, oh, uh, nice. and then flying back. So I didn't. I did watch some uh, of last night's game and turned it off at the end of the third quarter as the 49ers <laughs> as were everyone just, did. Dominating, and and I had a lot of interest in that game. Obviously, I you know played for Kyle Shanahan, played for Matt Lafleur as well. You were on the broadcast. Coach. Did you know that? No, I yes, did not. You made an appearance. I'll tell you when they showed a team picture that had Shanahan and Lafleur and the defensive coordinator for the Forty ers all on the same staff, right with the Texans, and yep. there's large ass number eighteen, Sage Rosenfels on the TV. Well, there I was, there and you I, were. you know, I, I, I talk about uh, offense and defense a lot on the show, but you know, in particular, this style of offense, which you know, Gary Kubiak played for, and they, they're very much implementing. But we saw some of the, you know, watching that last night, both sides, and and uh, Aaron Rodgers getting harassed. That Forty ers defense is so good, and and Robert Sala, yeah, he was a defensive quality control now to the Texans, and and has moved his way up as well. Uh, and now is you know probably going to be a head coach, I would think, next year. His defense is phenomenal. they got a whole bunch of good players as well, and uh, sort of a dominant defensive line. And, you know, they're going to be – a lot of teams have them, a lot of people have them, experts, as they say, as the number one team in the NFC, and uh, either them or the Saints. And, you know, the, as, as the Vikings go here, uh, that Green Bay game last night, uh, things are looking better and better for Minnesota. Yes, they are, and that's at the center of our website is that the Vikings, now the door is open potentially to win the NFC North, and I want to get into those scenarios and just how 
epic uh, the final five weeks of the season are going to be. But my overreaction to last night, Sage, tell me if it's too far or not, is San Francisco, if they play the Vikings, will do the same thing to the Vikings. And the other side of that is Green Bay, not really a Super Bowl contender. Like They will make the playoffs, they could win a playoff game, but they cannot win the Super Bowl. Uh, not the way their offensive line got dominated last night, and and the Saints are good as well. And and yeah, I don't I don't know. They they didn't have that run game. They didn't make those explosive plays. I was completely blown away. Uh, and I don't know how many times we've seen this in, over the course of his career. Not very many, but Aaron Rodgers threw thirty three passes for one hundred and four yards. That's wild. That is wild. And if you look at the pass chart. Basically, everything is like within five yards in the line of scrimmage. And uh, it's because this in the secondary is good. So naturally, you think secondary, but it's that D line is just so good. And you cannot hold on to the football. Uh, and, you know, the, the younger Bosa, uh, I think he's probably better than the older Bosa, you know, mm-hmm. in his young career. He is one I of those. I think both dominant. of them are good. Yeah, both uh, of them. Yeah, yeah I, like that. I like that. I like that. Okay, I've been um, off so, for two days. So anyway, I they, they looked good last night, and their offense can score points in chunks, but they also can turn the ball over. Garoppolo is one of those quarterbacks that uh, he's thrown, interesting, he's thrown 10 picks this year, and eight of them in two of their games or something like that. So he's sort of a hot and cold type of quarterback, and he turns the ball over a little bit, but uh, they got some playmakers, a receiver, that is they I, I, they didn't look like they were in the same league as the 49ers last night. So yeah, I'm saying uh, you know the Vikings or not the Vikings but the Packers are definitely, you know, I think on the outside looking in like probably make the playoffs, but I don't see them beating, you know, two or three teams uh, to get to the Super Bowl. So in Rodgers' prime, his absolute best years where he's one of the five best quarterbacks to ever play, he's averaging over 9 yards per pass attempt and since 2015 he is averaging 7.2 yards per pass attempt. So when he he's still really good at football and can make great plays and insane throws when you need. But all the numbers point to this guy just not being the same level of quarterback that he used to be. And I think what we saw last night, Sage, is the insane athlete Aaron Rodgers is just not there anymore. The guy who can break out of tackles and step up in the pocket or extend plays and find somebody down, down the field deep. He's just not really that guy anymore. I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers a lot like Kirk Cousins, where if he gets bootleg action and gets some time to throw the ball down the field, he can, but he hangs on to the ball way too long still, does not get it out quick enough, and if opposing teams start getting after him, he's basically done for that night. Listen, getting the ball out is so important, and I think some quarterbacks, because they do occasionally have a lot of success or, or they had in the past or whatever, just consistently hold on the ball too much. I'm trying, there's some other. I mean, he was sacked 53 times last year. That's a that's a huge number. Deshaun Watson was sacked something like 60 times last year. Uh, and those two guys, you would think, with how athletic they are and how many times you see them es- escape trouble uh, and then make plays down the field, you think, man, those those athletic guys don't get sacked much. And so I'm a big believer in getting the ball out quick. And I think that's one of the things the Vikings have done with with Kirk, who's not the athlete. But they basically, as they drop back, they're pretty much getting the ball out fairly quick. Uh, otherwise, if they're going to sh- take a shot down the field, it's the bootleg stuff. It's the play-action stuff. And I think as, as Vikings fans, we have seen how nice that is, that you don't have to have a superhero quarterback to make plays down the field. And, and, and we saw it last night with Jimmy.
Jimmy Garoppolo, nobody around him. And then the corner post route to, to George Kittle for the what is seventy yard touchdown or whatever it was. That play action bootleg stuff, uh, you know, keeps you on you know pace for first. It's it just gets the game gets ugly in second and long and third and long. It just mm-hmm. does. And you know, we see guys like Aaron Rodgers because they take sacks or whatever. Uh, sometimes it almost overcomplicates the game when your quarterback is athletic. And he's yeah, as you said, he's not quite as much as he was. Uh, earlier as far as the quick, I mean, he's still, he's such an incredible athlete, but those guys are seeming to get to him more this year than they have in the past. Yep. And in the past, he's had, if not the best, one of the best offensive lines in the league. And it seemed like last night, as soon as Brian Bulaga went out, that that was just over. And Bakhtiari is still a good player, but when you're going up against Bosa, there's just no comparison. Like Bosa is going to be able to get after you. So from the Packers side of things, um, so, so by the way, all of this is that's why the value of the running game is so important. That's exactly because where this I was is headed with so this. They hard. need to run the ball. It's so hard to to consistently win just throwing the ball against like really good defensive lines. And it's, sometimes it's almost like a it's like a loss leader at a grocery store. Like, okay, we're we're we may not get very much in the running game, but we have to try to at least keep the defense, you know. Trying to defend the run and you know play that and all that thing and try to wear them down. So even the ones and twos, sometimes you just got to have the ones and twos. You know you have to truly execute at a really high level consistently down the field and that running game and, and again you know getting the ball out high completion percentage stuff uh, and then taking your shots on the bootleg stuff. I think they should run the. I always think they should run the ball more and and uh, they weren't very effective last night. No, and and that's the reason that I think on the other side of that, why San Francisco would be the nightmare matchup for the Vikings. I I think that the Vikings could beat the other teams, but with that defensive line from San Francisco, that just screams to me, they're going to shut you down with those four guys in the run game and pressure you in the pass game. And if you're asking Kirk Cousins to straight drop back and they're putting everybody back out in coverage, seven in coverage, I think that's exactly what the Vikings do not want to face once they get to the playoffs. And San Francisco really showed what they can do to a very similar offense last night against Green Bay. Well, and we saw that last night uh, with the uh, was it what's his name Debo? Is it Debo Sweeney? Not Debo Samuel. Kind of Samuel Debo yes. Samuel. Um, uh, he is an explosive player, and I've seen him make. He sort of reminds me of Percy Harvin a little bit. Probably more of a receiver, but one of those guys who has this sort of some breakaway speed, but runs almost like a running back uh, after he has the ball in his hands. And he caught that one, a little in route last night on a, on a, I don't know if it was a straight drop back or what, and boom, he was off to the races. He would be trouble, and they got a couple guys who would be trouble for the this this Vikings, uh, you know, backfield that our defensive backs. And uh, you know, so that would be a challenge. And they run the ball so well. And again, you know, but their defense, you know, 136 yards pass in the game. That is incredible. So uh, that would be uh, one, one heck of a matchup for the Vikings. And, and very well you know, will happen, whether it's in uh, the first round, the divisional round, wherever. I, I can see this game uh, happening at some point this season. And if you consider that the only game that San Francisco lost was because their backup kicker, Robbie Gold is hurt, backup kicker shanked one in overtime against Seattle and opened the door for the Seahawks to win. I think that they're far and away the best team in the NFC. They have, in terms of point differential, they're plus one. 69. The next best team is actually Dallas at plus 85, who I want to talk to you about in terms of overreactions. And then the Vikings are next at plus 84. I think that as we've gone along here, San Francisco has uh, extended that lead over the next best team, which is 
probably New Orleans at this point, uh, but the Saints have given me a little bit of pause over the last couple of weeks. Um, Carolina was able to hang with them yesterday when they had chances to finish that game, and then they had that loss to Atlanta. So they're looking kind of like a a good team that still has some vulnerabilities. I'm having trouble, aside from Jimmy Garoppolo and not trusting him yet as a quarterback, needing to see that in the playoffs, I'm having trouble not seeing San Francisco as far and away the team to beat. Well, I think they're right up there. I think yeah, I could see them being the number one team right now. They've just been dominant in a lot of ways. They're plus one sixty nine. I think Seattle is a team that's just so hard to beat. That you know they've just got a, a great overall spot. It's these teams that run the ball, which is interesting, right? I mean, the, the Vikings run the ball well. Uh, uh, you know, even the Cowboys—they're one of their strengths—is running the football. But it's these teams that run the ball. Uh, San Francisco, uh, uh, the the Seahawks, the Vikings. Um, they're having a lot of success, and uh, I think those sort of three teams, or those four teams, I should say, are going to be right there uh, come deep playoff time. Yep, and when you look at, since you love the uh, the play actions, when you look at the top two quarterbacks in the NFL quarterback rating with play action, it's Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. And uh, I, I wanted to move to that game with Russell Wilson because it was ugly, it was rainy, it was hideous. Uh, DK Metcalf dropped two long passes that were right on the money from Russell Wilson, and yet they grind out a win in Philadelphia, which isn't always easy to go to Philly and, and beat them in, in a tough environment. And now Seattle and the Vikings will play next Monday. We've got plenty of time to preview everything about it. But this game now, Sage, means so much, and I'm glad Seattle won that game because it ramps it up even more. Seattle has a chance still, weirdly, to win the NFC West, even if I I don't think they're as good as San Francisco. San Francisco has a really tough schedule. They've got to play the Ravens. They have to play at Seattle again. Listen, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, season left. You know what I mean? I mean, it's. Uh, I think we, in our minds we have these teams where they are, but there's a lot of season left. And you know, also quarterbacks get hurt. You know, what happens if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt next week? Where, you know, all of a sudden, boom, they're a team that might make the playoffs, but probably won't. Make, you know, win after that is what we would all say, right? So, uh, but this, you're right. This Seattle team is. I think they're. They could very easily win that NFC West. It's going to come down to a game or two, and, and this game is for both teams. And the Vikings now with that loss, boom, they're right in the mix to win the North and, and have a good chance to win North and, and is, are playing better football than the Packers right now. Uh, this almost feels like a playoff game uh, coming up this week. It does. And, or like a half playoff game, something. I mean, it's it's both teams are going to put it on the line for this game and hold nothing back. And you know, they could, There's nothing like having that bye. You win this game, it gives you a chance to have that bye, and and uh, you know both these teams would love to have that. And very often in recent history, the team with the bye has gone on uh, to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Both teams like playing at home. I mean, two of the better home field advantage teams as well. I think in the NFL, so they yeah, that bye and home field advantage would be huge. So when you look at how the uh, the scenarios could shape up, there as you mentioned, there's so much still to be decided. But we kind of know who the teams are going to be, aside from the Dallas and Philadelphia race, which uh, is probably going to come down to the wire. Philadelphia has a very easy schedule the rest of the way, but they've got a lot of weaknesses. Dallas clearly is having some issues uh, with their owner and coach, maybe not just uh, agreeing on some things. And I thought they bought yesterday's game toward the end with some decisions there. But aside from that, we kind of know who the teams are going to be, that it's San Francisco, New Orleans, Minnesota, Green Bay, Seattle, and then winner of the NFC East. Let's just say that Dallas ends up pulling that out. Who, if you're the Vikings, do you want to face? If we both agree that San Francisco is the team you do not want to face because of that defensive line, 
Who's the team where you'd say, you know what, give me them in the first round of the playoffs. I think we've got a good chance. You know, probably that NFC East team, whoever that would be, you know. Uh, that's what I would like to play play in the first round. I think those teams all have some glaring weaknesses and and uh, you know, the, I don't like the Cowboys winning somewhere on the road or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at those teams as you know, someone's going to come out of that division. And and if I were the Vikings, uh, other than getting a bye, of course, I'd, I'd probably like to see the Cowboys slash Philly, whoever that team is going to be. So I don't disagree with you on that because, of course, if uh, well, you'd have to go to Dallas, so that would be still, That's true. still That's tough. True. That's still tough, yeah. and the way Dak is playing, that that would still be difficult. But tell me if it's a hot take. To By the say, way, wait. What are your thoughts on? Um, uh, sort of changes stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Even the team with the better record should have the home game within the conference. Oh, Does I, that make sense? Yeah, the, I totally you know, think that's how it should be. Like you know, the teams that get they're like eight and eight or nine and seven, and they get a home game against like a thirteen and three team because yep. they were second. Uh, just seems unfair to me. You remember and, the uh, uh, the Marshawn Lynch beast mode run against yeah. the New Orleans Saints? They were like what seven and nine or eight and eight that year. Seattle and New Orleans had to go out to Seattle just because the NFC West was terrible. New Orleans should have had a home playoff game. They had the better record that year, and instead they have to go to the toughest environment in football and play a team that was inferior I think to them. I, I, I've never I, made any has, sense of this. Has this been brought up uh, like with the rule change committee? Have people has this been a conversation piece in like the off season? Because I, I think it should be. I've all, they changed a lot of rules in this league. One probably should either legitimately call this pass interference thing or get rid of the whole thing altogether. They did call a good one yesterday, I thought, by the way, in that Carolina game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'd like to see this possible rule change. The team, If the teams had the same record, the tiebreaker is that if you win the division, you win uh, home field advantage or, whatever, or you get the home field uh, a game or whatever. But I, I think this thing should be talked about, and I'm all about for that change. Well, I, I could take this to another level. I think it should just be for the NFL. I, I don't even think it should be AFC-NFC. I think it should just be the teams, the 12 teams with the best records are seated like that. That the four, oh. the four best teams in the whole NFL, not AFC, NFC, the whole NFL, they end up getting those four spots, and then you just seed it the rest of the way out. I, I don't like it being, oh, well, this team went 8-8, eight and eight, and they have a better seed than a team in the AFC who went 11-5. and five. The Patriots, the year that Matt Castle had to start, they went 11-5, and five, and they missed the playoffs just because of how things shook out. That should never happen. It should so be are you saying one that of the we best records change. in the league. You should we, be in the playoffs. So you're almost saying it's almost, a, in a sense, the divisions are only for sort of rivalry games and whatever, but there really just should be 12 teams. So this would allow the NFL to go to, like, adding teams in Europe or whatever is the sort of doesn't really matter how how many teams there are in the NFL everyone's in some sort of, some sort of division and then we're just going to pick the best you know 12 or 16 teams to make the playoffs and and not really worry about the who's the division winners and, and all those types of things yeah that's how I would want to do it I'm gonna try and see if I can figure out who would be playing each other in the first round if we just did it by the best 12 teams here in the NFL because I think it would create some really awesome matchups that we have never seen before early in the playoffs. Clearly, you would have AFC and NFC teams playing, but uh, I mean, so you've got New England is 10 and 1, San Francisco's 10 and 1. Those teams would get the buys, and then you would have Seattle 9 and 2, and New Orleans 9 and 2. They would be the teams that would get 
like the buys as of right now. I don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Baltimore. But then after that, I mean, you could end up having, say, you know, Dallas play against Houston or something like that, or or Kansas City play against Seattle, and and Mahomes and Russell Wilson go at it in a first round playoff matchup. I think that would be super compelling and offer matchups that we've never seen before. I don't and disagree. Also right? I, yeah, it would be the most um, fair. And I, as an example, you know, all those years, Colts uh, and, and and the Patriots in that AFC Championship game. I'm yep. not sure what the yep. numbers were on that, but over the course of you know 15 years, it seemed like probably half of them were that matchup. And, and it felt you, like that was basically the Super Bowl, right? You had, you had to think it would have been nice if Peyton Manning was in a different bracket and Tom was in this bracket and they met up in the Super Bowl. I mean, they could have played five, six Super Bowls against each other. I mean, imagine that story. But again, they're in the same uh, you know, conference. And so I like what you're, what you're dealing here. And uh, you know, maybe it's something that uh, we see down the line. Well, they used to do it in hockey, and then they changed it. And there were some really cool matchups that happened in, in rivalries that ended up kind of organically being created that way, and I wish they would just do it again. If you're going for most fair, most fair what, system. If uh, what I believe is the number one seed this year would be the Patriots again, and uh, it just blows me away. They play obviously yesterday, and their offense isn't scoring a ton of points. But you know, I don't know. They they've scored 300 points, given up 117 points. I mean, they are killing teams. And, um, you know, at it again. That would be the worst place to play. I mean, yesterday was your classic. Nobody wins those games in Foxborough when it's raining or snowing or whatever. Tom Brady just finds a way to win them. Uh, one where another him and Bill Belichick, and they're 10-1. And, and that would be the place that I would least like to play in the playoffs of any team this year. So the, the takeaway from that game, though, Sage, I don't know if you heard what Jerry Jones had to say, but basically called out Jason Garrett and the coaching staff after the game, which is in my mind, fair. I mean, they made mistakes on special teams. They made game management mistakes that Jason Garrett may be a good coach in other areas, but in game management, I think he's behind a lot of other coaches in the league. Would you be stunned if they made a change? I mean, it is the Dallas Cowboys. I don't, they would be I, the team to do it. They could make a change midseason, which would be crazy. I think they're going to wait to see where this thing goes. You know, this is where, like, when, when the uh, Giants won a couple of Super Bowls, Tom Coughlin was, like, on the hot seat. And there was all this conversation. And, you know, next thing you know, they go on these little runs and they, they win the Super Bowls. And so I think, uh, you know, maybe Jerry's trying to somehow spark a fire and have the, have the players rally behind their coach. I don't know. I, I always find it interesting when Jerry Jones complains about certain aspects of his team because since he's in charge of the entire team, it's really his fault. It always, it always comes back to Jerry's fault. Like, if you don't like the coaching, you've hired the coach <laughs> right, right. that hired the coaches or whatever. You signed off on the deal. This is your decision. So rather than complain about it, Jerry, go get yourself a better coach. You know, and, and uh, so uh, I love Jason Garrett, one of, in one of my favorite coaches I played with and played for. He backed me up in my first ever game. So I love the guy to death. But, you know, I don't know. They they seem to get beat sometimes in, in various, you know, coaching uh, situations or whatever, and you know they they have not won. It's amazing he's been there a long time for them to not uh, you know win a Super Bowl or go to a Super Bowl or even come close to going to a Super Bowl. And uh, but this might be the end of the road for, uh, in, in Dallas for Jason Garrett. All right, let's take a break. Let's go through the final Vikings games and what could play out here. And I will give you my hot take and who I think that they should play. And also maybe one of the worst decisions I have ever seen by a franchise just happened while we were talking. And I mean 
ever. One of the most clueless, like, what are you doing decisions as we were talking. So when we return, I will explain. Here you listen to Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit at federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. The Score North podcast network consists of more than a dozen shows from Purple Daily and Raised by Wolves to The Scoop with Doogie and Royce and Chained. You can find a full list of these Minnesota sports podcasts over at scorenorth.com or the Score North mobile app, or just search Score North, S-K-O-R North, anywhere you find your podcasts. The Packers, they got stomped yesterday by the 49ers, and Good Morning Football was talking about, and Kyle Brandt says it's the most impressive win of the season out of anybody. Here's what he said. Shocking win. I mean, I think one of the most, if not the most impressive win of the entire season, what they did. Let's put it this way. This morning, I'm Googling, what was Aaron Rodgers' career low in passing yards? It was against the Von Miller Super Bowl champ Broncos. He threw for 104 yards yesterday, guys. I went from thinking this Niners are a good story, maybe they can make the jump this year. They can win the Super Bowl this year. They really can, because they're going to have home field. The defense is that good. I've never seen Rodgers look that frustrated and that lost. It's been years. Unbelievable win. I'm going to say it. I think it's the most impressive win of this season. I do. Your thoughts, Vikings fans, on your Vikings chances now that you've seen the Packers get destroyed by the 49ers of your team taking over the NFC North by the end of the season. Let us know over at Score North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan, Matthew Collar, and Sage Rosenfels back here with you. And uh, let me give you my um, thing that I was talking about before the break of the worst decision that's ever been made in the history of the National Football League ever. That I, I'm not. I, this is not an exaggeration. Okay, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Okay, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to put Andy Dalton back in as their starter. The Bengals are right now, I don't know if you remember this, in the Olympics one time there was a snowboarder and she was winning by a ton. Like a ton. No one was even close. And she goes over the final little hump, which it would have been very easy to just go over it and then glide to victory. She tries some trick, falls down, and then everyone else goes by her and she loses. And then she just sits there like, oh yeah, I guess I shouldn't have tried to mess around when I was winning by so much. Cincinnati, you are winning the race here for Joe Burrow or Tua or Chase Young or whoever you want that can change the history of your franchise. And you're going to mess around with that to put back in Andy Dalton, who is not your future quarterback? For why? What are you thinking? Uh, You know, it's a rudderless ship over there uh, in Cincinnati. And so they don't know what they're doing. I don't think they've got a young head coach who comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree and, and former Nebraska quarterback and and about it I don't know if they're that's why they're the Bengals they're, they're consistently bad and you know they've only had a, a decent run there when it was the you know the Carson Palmer you know Chad Johnson Chad Ochocinco TJ Hushman Zada mm-hmm. uh with Cedric Benson was it was the running back um you know d- during that era and other than that it's been a very it's been slim pickings in Cincinnati and, and so I don't I think this is 
it's a good question why they're you know going to you know try to win more games or or what. But I, it's interesting actually. Some of these terrible teams. Everyone thought the Dolphins were going to be one of these teams, and all these teams, or the you know the Jets are you know the really really bad football teams. But um, you know this is you know one of those deals that you know those guys are winning some games now. Uh, you know somehow the Dolphins have won. If the Dolphins win like four or five games this year, you got to be thinking he's like the coach of the year or something, <laughs> right? I mean, everyone thought that they they gave away all their pieces. Uh, for future draft picks to sort of re- completely restart this thing. Uh, and and somehow they've won two games. But the Bengals, they have done some of those sim- similar moves. But obviously they're, they're struggling only 11. And, and uh, you know, who knows why they're putting Andy Dalton back in. But Andy Dalton, at the end of the year, he'll probably be gone. And I'm interested to see, you know, some of this free agency stuff, by the way, leads you into sort of like, where is Andy Dalton going to be next year? Ryan Tannehill's actually playing pretty well this year. That was a guy that I think he's, he's also a free agent. Cam Newton looks like he might be a free agent. Uh, you know, we'll see where, where some of these uh, you know quarterbacks end up falling at the end of the season. Okay, you're ruining a tease there because I had that written down for later that I want to ask you who you think ends up where because now the league is shaping up uh, to have an insane offseason with the biggest turnover with quarterbacks that maybe we've ever seen. So let, let's get to that in, in a minute. But if you're the you Jets... By the way, you got to think the Raiders, they, I don't, you know, will, will they get one? I mean, will John Gruden say, you know what, Derek Carr is not our guy and try to move on and think one of these other guys is that guy? You and, know? and someone would trade for him, I'm sure. Right, yeah, exactly. People yeah. would like a lot. Of people would like to have Derek Carr. I mean, he, you know, he has won a lot of games, played a lot of games. He's had some really, really good games. He's still young. He's still a heck of an athlete and has a good arm and you know, you know whatever. So maybe he doesn't fit, uh, you know, John Gruden's system or you know whatever it might be. So uh, should be an interesting offseason as far as the you know coaching carousel. We we could also get to that, like what coaches looking at the hot seat. But these are almost like player quarterbacks on the hot seat that probably will uh, end up somewhere else next year. Should be an interesting off season. Um, if you are the Jets, if you are Washington, if you're the New York Giants, and you feel like you have your quarterback, whether you're right or wrong, I don't know, but you have a first year or second year quarterback. You want to win games. You want Sam Darnold to play great. You want Dwayne Haskins to play great. You want Daniel Jones to play great. You don't want to tank. But when you don't have your franchise quarterback and you're Miami and you're playing Ryan Fitzmagic, who's known for this type of stuff, he's known for winning games he shouldn't win and then losing a bunch that he should or playing for an awful team and getting them to 6-10 and 10 or something, I would have played Josh Rosen the rest of the way just to see what I had there. And if he's bad, you lose all the games and you draft high. Miami put themselves at risk here and now the Bengals are doing the same thing they're putting themselves at risk of not getting the one player who could truly change them and you mentioned that the last time that the Bengals were truly a contender I'm not sure they ever really have been during the Andy Dalton era truly a contender was hmm, let me see when they drafted a quarterback number one in Carson Palmer right I mean they should be looking at Joe Burrow and Tua and saying like give me one of those two guys and let's build our franchise around that guy with our new head coach not saying yeah we got to win some games this almost reeks of an owner getting mad and going to the head coach and being like you better put in Andy Dalton and win some games is it reeks of that or the head coach knowing what he saw well he's I don't I didn't watch those games so I didn't watch the guy who was playing instead of Andy Dalton, but maybe you know. Listen, at the end of the day, the, maybe the coach says we got no chance. I don't know. You know, I, I tried it, or maybe the owner wanted him to do it in the first place, and it's been so ugly the last few games or whatever, uh, where they score ten points this week against the Steelers. Uh, you know, maybe he's seen enough of that guy 
to say, you know, let's go back to, to Andy Dalton because I want to win football games. Like we're not going we're going to put our best foot forward, play our best players. That is one of those common things you hear uh, when seasons are going like this amongst coaches. I've, I've heard this uh, phrase once or twice in my career is. We're going to try to win football games. We're going to win the best players that are going to try to that are going to help us win football games, and that's all I care about. I don't care about contracts. I don't care about this. That's what uh, a lot of times these head coaches would say because that's a that's a great a message. It sort of covers all the bases of any politics that might be going on, or players or agents saying this, that, and the other. Is we're going to play the best players, and sort of shuts that whole thing down, and so guys can just go out and you know play and actually have a chance to win these football games. I think you do want to win games. I I don't you know I, I think this. Chase Young kid from from Ohio State is probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. Um, I'm not sure how much I'm sold on these other quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I you know I think Tua could be a good, really good player, but man, he gets hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Trevor Lawrence is the most NFL quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I think he could be like a Carson Wentz, but better, and he doesn't get hurt. Uh, so I, you know, we'll, we'll see how he is, but he can't come out. I don't think this year. So mm-hmm. is it Justin Correct. Fields? Is he he could possibly come out? Um, you know, so we, we will see. Uh, what, you know what, uh, what what it means to have the number one pick or the number two pick. Because I have the number one pick, I'm going for the defensive end, to be honest with you, rather than the quarterback. I, I think this kid, Chase Young, he sounds like, since I've watched a little bit of Ohio State games, he sounds just dominant. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I've seen anything about these quarterbacks to, to, to say to me, like, oh, yeah, this guy is the next, you know, great college quarterback. I haven't seen that by these guys. I saw it by two early, but, you know, I don't know, a torn hip. Uh, you know, I was a, you usually have a... Um, some sort of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, what's the injury uh, Drew Brees had in his shoulder? Labrum tear. Yeah, labrum tear. Usually we have like a hip dislocation. It's a labrum tear. Like those are problems, you know. And to have that for a guy who's mobile, like maybe he's not as mobile, maybe it takes him a couple of years to come back from it. I don't know if there's a, you know, great quarterback in this draft. Sounds like there's going to be some good ones. But for that number one pick, uh, I'm not sure how you know how, if I want to have the number one pick and instead trying to build a culture of trying to win football games. Well, even even if you're um, going to take Chase Young, I mean, he looks like a generational talent defensive end, which you also would benefit quite a bit from if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. Here's the art. Now, I would never tell a player if you right now, Sage, were on the Miami Dolphins, I would not go up to you in the locker room and say, Sage, you should really throw picks. Like, because you have a career, yeah. and and you and all players are competitors. No one's going to go out and try to to lose on purpose. But if you're an organization, you are actually losing to win. Uh, if you are losing games, yeah, you have no, a better I, I get to win. that. But you know, good luck telling Ryan Fitzpatrick that you you know you're going to go out there. That's why you don't play him. It, it doesn't. That's why you don't play matter. Andy Dalton. You play the guy who clearly shouldn't be in the NFL. That's Ryan Finley. And I'll tell you the story of Ryan Fitzpatrick and the 2010 Buffalo Bills. They started out 0 and 8. They are in the driver's seat to get the number one overall pick. This is going great. They needed a complete rebuild. And then here comes Ryan Fitzmagic. He gets into a few games. They go four and four the rest of the way. Guess what Chan Gailey said? He said, man, we just got this culture all turned around. We took that culture bus and we got it right back in the right direction. And guess who they missed out on drafting because of it? Cam Newton, who pretty quickly turned around the old culture in Carolina by winning a bunch of games, being awesome at football. Hold on, a second. Hold on. Let's. I want to say something though. Um, let me name off some teams for you. All right, Washington, Arizona. Okay, the Lions. All right. Um, see here. Oh, the Dolphins, um, the Bengals, the Browns, the Jaguars. All right, those teams are usually bad. 
They're usually bad. And a lot of times they don't have a quarterback, a lot of those teams. Uh, so I, and they, so which means they usually have like top five picks, a lot of those teams. I mean, the Bengals have top five picks all the time. It hasn't done them any good. You know what I mean? So you're trying to say like lose to get more picks that have, that haven't done us any good in the past. No, usually it's to, to get a quarterback. I mean, that's the it's one to, thing that, to get a quarterback, but I don't, but that's I don't know the thing that can that. change it. Well, and maybe, and maybe there isn't one, but that's the thing that can change it. You, you mean, you mentioned the Browns. Pat but, Mahomes was the what? What was his pick? The 12th or something? Uh, 12th, yes. 12th. And Deshaun Watson was 10th. Okay, there, yeah, right. I mean, Lamar Jackson was the end of the first round. But you're, maybe, t- but you're getting maybe the you don't chance. Want those top you're guys. getting the chance that you definitely want the top guys. Maybe you're getting they should the chance not to take the best to, quarterback that's there. Maybe they should not listen to the, uh, uh, the, the people who weren't quarterbacks when they're trying to discuss of which quarterbacks they should draft, you know, for, based off of all the things that it takes to be a winning quarterback. Just don't draft Mitch Trabisky. Yeah, just don't. Yeah, I mean, that did the Bears a lot of good. <laughs> they could have been losing for Mitch, you know, or whatever. And that's who they got. Instead, they should have played better and got the 12th pick and got Patrick Mahomes. I think that would have been a better deal for them. It, it doesn't always work out to take the quarterback number one overall, but a lot of times that's your best shot at completely changing and overhauling your franchise. Someone like the Indianapolis Colts were able to sustain a, a great franchise because they got Andrew Luck. How did they get there? Oh, did they win for the culture? And now they have a third rounder. Kerry Collins or whatever, right? And now they have a third rounder. that Who's and, not going to win anything. Let's be honest. He's not going to win anything. I like his. I like, I like him too, he but plays. he's not going to win. He's not going to do what Andrew Luck was able to do, which is to take garbage teams and win 11 games a so year. So, by the way, so we have, it's amazing how we, quickly the NFL you move on. Uh, but with Andrew Luck, another guy who held the football too much. And what happened, right? Yep, yeah, his career ended up, ended up being sort of hot yeah. early and then just sort of, you know, didn't either couldn't do that anymore or took too many injuries or trying to make these plays down the field. And, and maybe that, uh, you know, style of football is, I said, you know, run the football, get the football out, little bootleg, little play action, try to take a shot down the field. Uh, in my opinion, that's, that's winning more football games than everyone trying to drop back and shotgun and hold it, hold it, hold it for something deep down the field. It's 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 dangerous back there. And you got these guys like Chase Young drafted super high that are like you almost know he's going to be a great NFL player. Uh, that uh, you know trying to trying to trying to capture you and hurt you, and it's uh, it's a, it's a dangerous place to be. Well, I think that uh, even the. Well, I mean, to your point, of course, yeah, Andrew Luck didn't get a good offensive coach until Frank Reich at the end of his career. I would have loved to have seen what he would have done. In fact, I think Indianapolis, we're talking about them in the Super Bowl right now, potentially, if uh, Andrew Luck is still there. I just think it's a great example. And, and he's, you could say, generational talent, but either way, you're giving yourself a shot to pick which one of these guys could change your franchise. And with the Cleveland Browns, you can use them as an example, but they're still in the playoff race right now. Last year, they won seven games. Before that, when they were drafting quarterbacks, the fourth quarterback off the board, Brady Quinn or Brandon Whedon, I mean, those guys were giving them no chance to even be in the playoff race. And now, if you were betting, does Cleveland make the playoffs within the next couple years? Could they even make it this year if they get hot? You'd say, well, probably. Why? Because they have a very talented number 1 overall quarterback. I would still bet that the guy could be good or at least have a much better chance than whoever else you're going to fill that spot with. And, and so, my point is, so if you're already in the driver's seat, though, if you're already there, why would you risk taking yourself out of that position? It's not like you can make the playoffs. The choices aren't playoffs or Owen 16. It's you're risking giving someone else that opportunity. Someone's going to have it. It might as well be you. So what, I, so what I'm trying to say is this. 
unless you have one of these top 10 guys. There's 32 teams in the NFL, so the other 22. But really everybody, including the top teams like, like the Patriots, in my opinion, since trying to get a, a great quarterback or whatever is, um, is, is so important, try to make that player's job, the quarterback's job, is in some ways as easy as possible. Like, how do we create a system where it really makes the quarterback's job as easy as possible? And one is running the football. If you can run the football, it makes Tom Brady's job easier. It makes Kirk Cousins' job easier. Uh, you saw last night when you can't do it, it makes Aaron, even Aaron Rodgers' job extremely you know hard. And if you can design an offense to not not put less pressure on your quarterback and allow him to when when really called upon then he can make things happen but to consistently do that with uh uh you know trying to throw the football trying to do too much or too much responsibility on him i think it's just sort of a in the nfl different than college college is different you know i watch iowa state games all the time they're throwing it all over the place and they're making and i'm not trying to say they're making it hard on the quarterback but they're they're asking him to do everything and it's amazing that the kids this brock purdy kid uh some of the throws that he makes uh but in the nfl that's just too hard to do the defenses are just too good uh the pass rushers are just too good and you got to make that job as easy for the quarterback as possible i'm going through and i'm counting up and i agree with you and if you're cincinnati you could go that route in trying to build and this is what cleveland did try to build everything around it and then drop a top pick quarterback into that situation and hope that he succeeds from there rather well, than starting or, with or, the quarterback like the Jets have done with Darnold. Well, when I got to Houston, we had David Carr there, and, and I was the number two guy. And uh, we did not go out and draft um, a quarterback. We didn't go out and draft Reggie Bush, which everyone thought we were going to pick with number one pick. It was Mario Williams. And you know Gary Kubiak's thought process was, listen, you know, Unless the exact quarterback is is the guy, you have to have a good defense. You have to have a dominant defensive end that other teams have to account for, and so they decided to go out and get Mario Williams. Um, so it was, you know, I think that defense and those defensive ends that are uh, just just extra extra special, they're uh, more of a hit in the sense of like or a higher hit ratio or whatever you call it. You know, quarterbacks, it's a gamble in that top. And Mitchell Trubisky, we'll go right back to it, right? Um, or, or some of these guys, but defensive ends, when they everyone thinks they're going to be really good, for the most part, they've got that position right over the course of the last uh, you know five to ten years, seems like to me, more than quarterbacks. So I counted up top pick quarterbacks and how many since Peyton Manning have changed the entire sort of shape of their franchise, and I got nine that did and four that didn't. And and I included Alex Smith because he took them to an NFC Championship game, the 49ers, eventually. So I think that he did. He just didn't stay as their quarterback. But if if you're going to give me those odds that there are that there's a better than 50% shot if you draft the quarterback number one, he ultimately gets you to be a consistent playoff team and makes you competitive. I mean, even the, the Lions are, are a truck fire until they draft Matthew Stafford, and they've been mildly relevant. They haven't won a Super Bowl, but they've been to the playoffs. They've had winning records. They've had huge numbers from their quarterback. It's not his fault that they're not even better. It's because they're the Detroit Lions. Uh, but my point just is that if you've got that shot and you could take that guy, sometimes it will turn into a Jameis Winston or it will turn into um, a, a, yeah, a I mean, car. Jameis Winston, Mariota, and both those guys might be free agents too. Let's yeah. add those guys yep. to the mix. It, it, does not, it does not always work out. But if it's got better chances to work out than not work out, I'm going to go for it and not try to win games right now, which doesn't yeah, mean I mean, anything. Imagine if you, were, if you were tanking for golf. 
you know, which is, you know, okay, well, it looks like he's not going to be great. It looks like he can be really good. It looks like he can be just okay. Certainly uh, at the but, helm of a complete overhaul and a change of that franchise. I know it wasn't just Jared Goff, but he got them to the Super Bowl. Like, be he, careful. He's, yeah, the, he, he's the exact example I no, would use no, to yeah. say there's a, a number one quarterback who went to the Super Bowl three years later. Yes, give me a number one overall quarterback. Thank you. Well, there's another thing is this. If you consistently... Uh, you know, think the, the the business model were a little differently. Where unless we get one that's just great, but these, you know, the um, sort of the, the Kaepernick did it as well, actually, and and uh, Russell Wilson early in his career, and and obviously Jared Goff, they're also playing with a stacked deck. All right, they're not paying their quarterback thirty or thirty-five million dollars a year. They're paying them whatever the first pick in the draft was at six million, seven million. I'm not really sure the number is, but so much less, which means you got so much more money to go out and sort of chase a championship for the next four years. So you have this sort of competitive advantage of a better team around, uh, you know, the quarterback. And you know, again, you take a guy like Goff and got him all the way to the Super Bowl, and we saw that some other quarterbacks. But then when it takes time, when it's time to pay them. That's the problem because uh, uh, they're going to want uh, you know so much money because they've had that postseason success. Right. So what I would do if I was Cincinnati is I would go 0-16 this year. I would draft Chase Young, and then I would go 0-16 next year, and I would pick Trevor Lawrence and then watch out for me in the Super Bowl. Right? I mean, that, Trevor Lawrence is a much better prospect than any of the ones that are coming out this year. He looks like he's got that Andrew Luck level of a prospect. They're very close to it especially the way that he demolished Alabama last year. He's great again this year. He'll be great again next year. And uh, that, to me, is how you fully rebuild your franchise. So you're saying to the Green Bay Packers, what's Aaron Rodgers' salary? I think I'll give you you a hot take on this one. I don't think think that they should lose on purpose, but if you were giving me the choice between moving on from this version of Aaron Rodgers and his contract to draft someone at the top of the draft, I would 100% do it right now. So hot take, hot take. The Green Bay Packers trade Aaron Rodgers for a first and a second round pick to somebody else, bring in one of these free agent quarterbacks, and then, uh, but one of those picks is like the first pick to get this, you know, this young kid. Oh, I would do. Uh, it. Would you for the, for the Bengals? Right? Would you want to go after like a guy like Aaron Rodgers or something like that? I wouldn't if I were the Bengals. Want Aaron Rodgers, but I would do that if I were the Packers. Because his contract, he's not getting better from right now. And his contract is huge. And his contract so then, is crazy. Then you crazy. could try to go get somebody, a quarterback that's a lot less um, and truly start over. I mean, I don't know. That would be I – mean, it's not going to happen. We're, now we're just totally getting to speculation. But uh, there are – Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a guy, by the way, that uh, it's going to be interesting when, when, you know, and, uh, when he's a free agent. So there's some guys out there. Jameis Winston throws too many interceptions. Again, it's like leading the NFL in uh, interceptions or something like that. I would take everyone over Jameis. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that as, uh, you know, Trubisky. Is he going to be a free agent? That should be interesting after the season. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I need to watch that Bears game. I will be watch it tomorrow morning. But uh, I'm not Are you a sure fan. you want to. Are you I sure have you? To. It's my job. <laughs> you know. So I saw so, some uh, of it. It was miserable. Yeah. So, but you know, um, he could be a guy. I I'm still not sold on the Matt Nagy thing. I, I'm just totally not sold on him because I. As I said uh, on, on the radio show last week, you know, I would hate to play in that system. That'd be really hard. It's really hard to be in shotgun all the time and never booting out and never getting out of that pocket and, and having those easier throws and, you know, not guys, uh, you know, trying to kill you in that, in that pocket. And they sort of ask a lot of him. And they, they don't have any big plays down the field. There's no play action. They're, you know, and, and so I, you know, I don't know how good, I don't know how good 
Mitchell Trubisky could be. I really don't. I, I don't know how he feels like a seems like a Josh Allen type to me. Yes, who's I in agree. a system that's you know maximizing his strengths and they're playing good defense. Now they don't play anybody, but they're still eight and three. So they they remind me of each other actually in a lot of ways. Okay, Sage. Before I let you go for the day, uh, this has been lots of fun. Uh, the final games for the Vikings at Seattle, Detroit, at Los Angeles, Green Bay, Chicago. How many of those do you expect the Vikings to win? Man, um, I think this week's a toss-up with the Seahawks. That's going to be one of those, like Dallas, like it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, Vikings I do struggle with backup quarterbacks, so Jeff Driscoll on December 8th could be tough. Yeah, I like the Vikings winning that game. I like the Vikings beating the Chargers. Um, I like uh, I like the Vikings with, with the Green Bay, um, and th- I, they could win all of them. I, I, they they could win all of them, but you know the way they the Vikings play, I feel like there's times where they could lose all of them. I mean, this team did lose to the Bears, uh, who, who aren't who aren't great this year, um, and so it, the Vikings are they have, they play a lot of close ball games. That Dallas game was right down to the wire. So we we think the Vikings are I think they're a really good football team. I think there's just the uncertainty uh, of you know uh, on some of those clutch games i the, the i think the kansas city game to me sort of worries me the most yep uh because that one makes you go like you know they we really should have won that game uh you know with matt moore quarterback and those types of things but uh but obviously they didn't all right sage great stuff you and i will be together again on wednesday and we're going to talk to jay fiedler which i am super excited about uh, yes i was telling jonathan like some people dream to interview the stars I dreamed to interview the journeyman quarterbacks in the early 2000s. The best, the best part is like, hey, do you want to have Jay Fiedler on the show? And I'm like, yeah, let me text him. And he got right back yes. to me. Are, my, and, my question to you was, are you friends with Jay Fiedler? Like, yeah. I knew the answer would be yes. So now, <laughs> now I'm thinking uh, after that yesterday, I was like, maybe I should go through my phone contacts and see all the Just phone write numbers. down the list. Yes. Just write down the list. Like, hey, you want to have Greasy on the show sometime? Yes, of course uh, I want to have Greasy's like a show. journeyman starter, yeah. by the way. Yes. Journeyman starter, which is interesting. It's a that, different that's category. a whole different list. The Chris yeah. Chandler yeah. category. Journeyman, Journeyman starters. Starter. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a whole new, uh, whole new criteria. Anyway, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to speaking with Jay on Wednesday. All right. Uh, I look forward to that as well. So thanks for your time, Sage. And uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk a little Gophers football with Daniel House. We'll have some hot routes coming up as well. Lots still to go here on Purple Daily. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Instead, it's a throw for Morgan. Down the sideline, at the goal line, Tyler Johnson. He's got it for a touchdown. Well, it's quite an accomplishment, but everybody picked us to be sixth in the West. You know, I think that's, uh, you know, you kind of go by where people pick you from the outside. You know what kind of team you have. And I remember telling everybody in January, I really like this football team. Can't promise you what they're going to do. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I really like this football team. Uh, This is the first 10-win regular season since 1905. This is the first seven-win regular season in the history of our school in the conference. Think about that for one second. All right, let's just take a second. Let's just think about it. That's pretty bleeping crazy that the Gophers will have game day here, and Jonathan is going to dress up in a costume of a corn dog and go to game day so that's going to be crazy and uh and fun for you and hopefully it isn't just a nightmare weather scenario which seems to be heading in our direction 
Uh, so that's not going to be great, potentially. I'm I just, want snow. Give I, me snow. I follow all the weathermen on Twitter, and it's like, oh, you know, five to ten inches coming our way. Like, oh, this is this is great. Uh, covering the Gophers this year for us for Score North has been Daniel House. What is going on, Daniel? Hello, Daniel. What's up, buddy? Can you hear me on the phone? Daniel House. Jonathan, for some reason, Daniel cannot hear yeah. me on the phone. Give me one second. I and think the power that went out might have knocked him off. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's strange. Yeah, we did just go dark here for some reason, and then all of a sudden the lights came back on as I was ranting about the weather. So that will happen. Uh, game day is going to be here, which I just never would have dreamed, even when P.J. Fleck started uh, last year by beating Wisconsin to get things going in the right direction and now here we are talking about college game day and playing Wisconsin for a chance to go play Ohio State. And these are just things that were not within the realm of possibility when we started out this season. And, and even with uh, Daniel House, like covering the team for Score North, I mean, he's done it for a while for us and it's nice. And we would get some web clicks and stuff. And Gophers alumni would like to go to our website and see some analysis and, and such. But then this year, as it started to progress and get better and better, now all of a sudden he's owning the website in the weekends because there's so much interest uh, in the Gophers. Um, I'm just going to tell Daniel House on Twitter to just hang tight for a second as we uh, get this back together. Um, unfortunately, power went out and... That's uh, not going super well here, I guess, technologically. Um, but w- what I've been most uh, amazed by with the Gophers is their two rece- receivers, Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. We went into the year, and I remember going down to the Pro Football Focus offices in Cincinnati and uh, sitting there with Mike Renner and talking about Tyler Johnson as a potential first-round pick and and thinking, wow, this is amazing. The Gophers have a potential first-round pick. And now Bateman has moved his name into this same uh, conversation, and it's incredible that the Minnesota two football teams have these uh, duos that are unstoppable, and now both of them, Bateman and Johnson, over a thousand yards. All right, now we've got uh, Daniel House. What's going on, Daniel? How are you? I'm doing well. Pretty crazy week coming here. Game day, Axe, Big Ten West, a lot on the line for the Gophers this week. At the beginning of the season, when you were getting your old press credential and saying, "All right, covering these Gophers again this year," um, did you ever, in your wildest dreams, think game day would be here at the end of the year? Uh, to to cover this game against Wisconsin? I thought they'd win nine games, but I didn't anticipate that it would be ten and they'd get game day. So, yeah, they really shattered the expectation. A lot of people picked them to finish sixth in the West, so being able to be in this position at the end of the year is crazy for the program. As P.J. Fleck noted in the uh, highlight that we played, yes, uh, they were underappreciated going in. And, and I think the biggest difference, you hate to say that a quarterback getting hurt was the best thing that could have happened, but Morgan has turned into, in in my mind, a guy that looks like he'll be an NFL backup or, or something. His accuracy and getting the most out of these two receivers, his willingness to throw it into coverage if he needs to, uh, I've just I've just been super impressed by Tanner Morgan and the way he's played, and I think he's gotten even better as he's gone along, Daniel. It's been wild how well he's played. I love his pocket presence. It's poised. He just never seems to get riled up when there's pressure in the pocket. He'll step up and find his targets down the field. His vertical placement is really good, too, when you see him throwing in the red zone and 
a few of those back shoulder throws that he made in that game to Johnson and Bateman. When you have two receivers like that, it's really hard to scheme against the Gophers because if you want to bracket cover Johnson, you're going to get one-on-one matchups for Bateman, and it goes vice versa. So Morgan and his elevation as a player, his confidence in the system, uh, I think it's just been crazy to see how this passing offense has evolved because two years ago it was a bottom five unit in the country, and now you could argue it's top five, and they have a duo that's one of the best in, in college football. Well, and let's talk more about these receivers. I, mean, I knew that Johnson was going to be good, and we saw the potential there. Uh, did you see it coming with, with Bateman to, to rise up the way that he has? Uh, did he just need Tanner Morgan throwing him accurate footballs to be this good? Because uh, now the conversation isn't just, hey, this Johnson guy could be a first or second round draft pick. Now it's both of them have that, that, that sort of potential. It's interesting how they found Rashad Bateman because he was uh, a participant in a satellite camp. They went down to Georgia and watched him play, and Rashad Bateman just stood out to them right away, and they offered. And they were early in the process, and as he started to progress, more teams started to get interested. SEC programs were getting on board, but they managed to hold on to him, and they knew right away that he had a chance to be pretty special just because of the athleticism he had. He was a stud basketball player. He had offers from Virginia Tech and Penn State. But you see how he turned the corner this year. Came into Minnesota at around 173 pounds. He got up to 201 at the start of this year. So sharpening up his routes and just improving physically, he's is really, really elevated and is probably the, one of the toughest young receivers to cover in the country right now. So, Daniel, it's clear that P.J. Fleck is the centerpiece of the entire operation here. And, and when you watch a game, they show a play, and then they show Fleck. And then they show a play, and then they show Fleck. Uh, but when P.J. got here and he was a lot of bluster and so forth, my take on him was always, look, the guy's going to say what he's going to say, but it's going to come down to whether he gets a quarterback or not. He's got a quarterback. He's got two great receivers. How do you separate? just the pure talent that they have at those key positions from what P.J. has been able to get out of them? Or how do you sort of value those things? Well, I feel like they've done a nice job of maximizing the system, too, with Tanner Morgan. He's always been a quarterback that can quick release and get the ball out fast. When you have all of those weapons, even Chris Oppenbell gets lost in the shuffle. He's one of the more uh, reliable receivers they have, maybe some of the best hands. So when you have three receivers and you can spread the field like that, and then you have those running backs, I mean, you got Rodney and Shannon Brooks and Muhammad Ibrahim, who played really well in the second half against Northwestern. There's a lot of balance with this team. So if you decide to take away run, obviously you're going to be able to pass the ball out better. And if you play man coverage against the Gophers, you have really tough matchups. And then if you decide, okay, hey, we're going to really play coverage, then you're going to run into some light boxes. And the Gophers have done a nice job of playing P.J. Flex style of football. It's kind of crazy how it's a carbon copy almost of what he did at Western Michigan, controlling time of possession, not making mistakes, one of the least penalized teams in the country, really disciplined play combined with getting the most out of his players and developing a young team quickly. Talking with Daniel House, he covers the Gophers for us at ScoreNorth. Dot com. Okay, uh, Daniel, give me the, the concern, though, because we always got to have that side of it. You're playing Wisconsin. They've got a great running game. They're still Wisconsin. So w- what is the weakness of the Gophers team uh, that we should be most looking for as we, as we go into this game, that we're saying, you know, if there's one thing that's going to get them, it's going to be blank. What is that? 
I believe it's discipline on defense. You saw just a little bit at the end of the Northwestern game. Didn't tackle very well. And they were a little bit undisciplined against Iowa, too, defensively, especially in the first half. So it's all about consistency. With Jonathan Taylor, I'm amazed. Like, he has 261 attempts this year. 84 have resulted in first downs. That's 32%, which is the top rate in the country. So, I mean, you have to play the edge well. That was something that was a strength last time they played him. I expect they'll go single high, load the box. They had seven and eight-man boxes last year, and then those man up on the perimeter. You have to swarm to the ball and try to try to knock it loose because the Badgers had four turnovers against Purdue. They're averaging a, a one-and-a-half giveaways per game, and they're 60th in turnover margin. So I look at this game, you want to get off to a quick start and try to slow Jonathan Taylor and get Wisconsin in late-down situations because if Taylor gets moving and Wisconsin's in second and three and those types of situations all day, then they can get in their rhythm. Both of these teams are very similar in their style. They over 60% rush rate. They control time of possession. They like to get off to quick start. So the team that maybe gets a takeaway and starts strong will probably uh, grab a hold of the momentum early. Football. Once you said swarm to the ball, I had to I had to hit the football uh, sounder. Um, now uh, I can't. This is just shows our age difference, Daniel, because when you say Jonathan Taylor, I always hear Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who used to be on Home Improvement. Uh, every time I want to say Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but that probably means nothing to you. Uh, how good is Wisconsin other than their running game? Like, If you're able to slow that down, even to some extent, are they still a good football team? Are they able to throw the ball? Should you be concerned about them through the air? Because that's where Iowa really got them was with some big passing plays. Yeah, with Quintus Cephas, I think he's one of the guys you have to watch out for, a receiver for Wisconsin. He's a real physical wide receiver, and they'll probably put Benjamin St. Juiced on him for most of the game, especially if they're asking the cornerbacks to man up and, and they're going to be aggressive and stack the box to try to slow the run. There's one stat that stands out to me, though, with Wisconsin, and it, it really surprised me, actually. Overall, opponent rushing play explosiveness, they're 107th out of 130 FBS teams. So recently they've been allowing a lot of explosive running plays, and they've been leaky and tackling. Uh, Last week, the pass defense, they had a lot of injuries in the secondary. Safety Reggie Pearson, he left the game. Uh, Hicks, the starting corner, he had a head injury in the second half, and then their backup safety was ejected for targeting. So they're really beat up in the secondary. So if Minnesota can run the ball, Wisconsin has to dedicate some more defenders, then, hey, the passing game uh, might open up more than people anticipate uh, it probably would. Daniel, there's one more player I wanted to ask you about here, and in, in it's Winfield. And, uh, again, age difference here, but Antoine Winfield Jr.'s dad was freaking unbelievable. Like, he was amazing. He would just make plays all over the place. Best pound-for-pound tackler I've ever seen. And when I watch his son just making plays all over the field, I think, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's exactly what his, what his dad did. Is he looked at, to, in your mind, as, as a draft prospect? Oh, yes, absolutely. I I believe he'll gain a lot of momentum. He was just put up for the uh, Bronco Nagurski Trophy, which is given to the National Defensive Player of the Year. So he's put along five really high-caliber players, three top ten potential draft picks. So he's gaining momentum. I think one of the things that stands out about Winfield is the football IQ. Like When you watch him live, you can appreciate it more. The pre-snap adjustments he makes, the versatility he has, you can move him into the box, he can play the deep half. Uh, and even at the next level, really what's going to stand out is 
his ability to maybe even play the cornerback spots, play safety, return punts. He's got so much versatility, and you see that football IQ stand out with him, and that's one of the things that I believe will gain a lot of traction as he uh, works out for teams this maybe declares early uh, this offseason. All right, Daniel. Awesome stuff. Uh, I won't make you make a pick because you're going to pick the Gophers, right? Like that's, Isn't that obvious I- that we're all going to pick the Gophers here? I'm picking the Gophers by seven points. I, I just believe they're going to win the game. I think the matchups are, are strong, and the passing game is going to be the big difference. Yeah, and then home field advantage as well, and uh, the hype around it will be awesome. So I look forward to seeing your coverage at scorenorth.com. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Daniel House NFL. Thanks for your time, Daniel. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, Daniel House there. All right, we're going to go right from Gophers, because that's exciting, to Hot Routes. Just right in it. No transition sentences Boom. Hot routes. Hit it. Go ahead, Jonathan. There you go. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Three! Red, red, red! Red Pauly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Routes on Purple Daily. 5887! Okay, we're not going to mess around. We're going to go right into it. Manny Hill is jumping in here for. Ten or so minutes of hot routes. Arif Hassan from The Athletic will come on after that to break down the final games on the Vikings schedule. Hi, Manny. Hi, Matthew. I think I saw you Football. earlier, like over there. Now you're over here. Live, yeah. Well, let's, let's do it. Let's get right into it. First hot route. Russell Wilson became the first quarterback in NFL history despite his height. Weird. It's totally crazy <laughs> how anyone could do this despite not being tall. Uh, to lead his team to eight straight winning seasons. Did I read that right? Is it eight? How old are we? Yeah, he came in 2012. This is crazy. so weird. Uh, Of course, his height makes him a unique player. But if you guys were going to take that out of the picture and just look at him as just a quarterback, who is he most comparable to all time? Russell Wilson. Who does he remind you of? Well, I know we have to take the height out of it. And I'm making this comparison without even thinking about the height, even though this guy is was not known for his height either, but I immediately think of Fran Tarkenton. Oh, okay. Just with the way that he's able to extend plays and scramble around, always keeping his eyes down the field when he's scrambling around and turning his back to the defense. Somehow he could still see down the field and, and make plays. He's He is so good at just improvising when he has to, when the protection breaks down, and his receivers, he has great chemistry with his receivers because they know where to be, they know where he's going. When he has to escape the pocket, and he can deliver throws down the field as good as anybody in the NFL, and Francis was very much like that. It yeah. was it made him one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL uh, in his time. I like it. I think that that is a very apt comparison, and a lot of winning, like a yes. great defense, but you still have to win the games, yep. and he did that. Jonathan, mine are two that have played in the same time that Russell did. Andrew Luck and Aaron Rodgers for two different reasons. Andrew Luck because he drugged teams that shouldn't have been eleven and five to eleven and five uh, records. Yeah, he yeah. always drugged teams that weren't good enough to be the dragged? quarterback. Dragged, drug. I, think I don't it's know. Dragged. Right? I think it's dragged. Yeah, dragged. Because when you said he drugged teams, I was like, what? <laughs> drag. He dragged teams. <laughs> That Drugging have, his offensive linemen? <laughs> making they them better? They certainly played like it a lot yeah, early in his career. Certainly, yeah. yeah I like Andrew that Luck one. just made people better. And then Aaron Rodgers, because one, he also made some of those wide receivers better than they actually were. And then because of his scrambling ability early on in Aaron Rodgers' career, his ability to extend plays and make them, you know, make things happen. Yes, I totally agree. And, and with Wilson, 
him dragging his teams yes. to being better than they should be is like yeah. a recent thing. When he first gets in the league, he had a lot of great situations. He had one of the best defenses in the league. Right. And we never got to see Andrew Luck with a great situation. I'm going to go with Steve Young. I think he's a sure. lot like Steve Young. Incredibly accurate. The playmaking, the running ability, the fact that he could break tackles and be creative. And uh, you, you, once you've got him caught, you probably don't because he can get away, but also make all the throws, the deep throws, the yep. short, accurate throws. Uh, he probably has a stronger arm than Steve Young had, mm-hmm. um, maybe by a lot. But in terms of his accuracy, I think that they have those same two. I would also go with maybe John Elway in some way. The arm strength is much more of the Elway thing. And then the fact that the guy just wins all the time. Mm -hmm. Like his teams, like Jonathan said, aren't always great, but he's got him there in the conversation, got him there in the playoffs, and he has to do a lot of it himself. Elway Elway was great at that, too, of extending plays and moving outside of the pocket and avoiding the rush. Yeah, definitely. All right, next hot route here is Dwayne Haskins. Missed the final play of Sunday's Washington win over the Detroit Lions because he was taking a selfie with fans. <laughs> Guys, I want you to just give me the most boneheaded and not Miles Garrett boneheaded violent thing, but just like just goofy, you weren't thinking at all thing that a player did that made you laugh. That's similar to Dwayne Haskins forgetting the yes to end the game. Well, mine is uh, tying everything together because it involves another person named Dwayne. It also involves the team that Miles Garrett currently plays for. Okay. And it also involves uh, taking a helmet off. And I'm going back to week one of 2002 when Browns linebacker and former Vikings linebacker Dwayne Rudd, (laughs) at the end of the game with his Cleveland Browns leading 39-37 against the Kansas City Chiefs, Dwayne (laughs) Rudd, uh, I believe it was him that brought down Trent Green, or at least he thought he brought down Trent Green, and uh, ripped his helmet off thinking that the game was over because the clock was winding down. <laughs> he kicked the field goal, right? And uh, <laughs> what turned out to happen was uh, as Trent Green was going down, he had lateraled the ball to one of like his offensive linemen or something, and he ran like another 20 yards, got them into decent amount of field, field goal range. And because Dwayne Rudd took his helmet off, he was called for unsportsmanlike conduct. Yes thus giving the Kansas City Chiefs 15 more yards. Game can't end on a defensive penalty. And therefore, the uh, Chiefs kicked a field goal and won the game 40-39. to Amazing. Yeah. The Browns still made the playoffs that year, though, in 2002. Yeah, yeah, that was the Kelly Holcomb year. So. Yeah, that went well in the playoffs, not blowing yeah. a massive lead or anything. To Tommy uh, Maddox. <laughs> Mine goes back to December 6, 2015 at, uh, I believe, TCF Bank Stadium. The Vikings were hosting the Seattle Seahawks just before the third quarter ends. They're down 35 nothing. They had just uh, given up yeah. a touchdown. Cordero Patterson back for the kickoff <laughs> return. Yes. Returns at 101 yards, and while in the middle of that return, he's celebrating like he had just won the Super Bowl <laughs> because his team is now down only 35-7. to <laughs> That's classic. Only 35-7. Uh, Chad on Twitter offers Randy Moss squirting a ref with a water bottle, yeah, that's, which uh, that's a hockey move that's yeah. squirting people with the water bottle. My favorite is similar with a quarterback not really knowing the situation. In Denver, I believe this was 2014, uh, where Peyton Manning was still great. They sure. were blowing out somebody. And they're going to pull Manning from the game because they don't want him to get hurt. Like, okay, it's over. Manning has killed this other team. It's the fourth quarter. How about you head on in there, Brock Osweiler? (laughs) Brock Osweiler, his team, you know, they get the punt, and it's time for the Broncos' office to take over. And he's sort of milling around, and he's looking for his helmet. He's sort of putting it on. 
And Peyton Manning says, oh, you're not ready? I'm ready. And runs back out there. And Brock Osweiler, there's a great gif of it that people use on Twitter sometimes, just sort of like throws his hands up like, what? I thought I was supposed to. And Peyton Manning went out there and ran the offense. It was great. Like, be ready to go, buddy. I guess no surprise that Brock Osweiler did not turn out to be a great quarterback when he wasn't even ready to go. paid him a lot of money, too. Wow. Yeah, no, they did. And they ended up having to trade a draft pick to... uh, Wow. Cleveland to take it. Now, of course, if we were doing head coaching moves, then I would have a lot of choices here, uh, including Jason Garrett just as of yesterday. Um, But anyway, my close and personal friend, Doug Marone, had a great day yesterday getting blown out by the Tennessee Titans, and he is likely going to be fired after this year. I would not hate to see it. We always have a joke here where, you know, like, oh, you hate to see it. What a shame. If Doug Marone decided to get the axe, I would not hate to see it because, uh, as you guys know, covered Marone in Buffalo. It was not a great time. And gosh darn, it just hasn't worked out in Jacksonville. I want you guys to give me a coach that if they were fired after this year, you would not hate to see it. Well, this is a pretty – when you sent me these uh, these notes earlier today, I, I jumped for joy uh, when then I saw this question because I immediately thought, Jason Garrett. Yeah. I mean th- – this has been, he's been, this is what, his 10th year in Dallas, I think? He took over for Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips like, got fired, I think, in 2010. Yeah. yeah, so it's yep. like his ninth full season with the Cowboys. It's it's time. Like, this has <laughs> just gone out. This team is too talented to be 6-5 and five and wondering if they're going to win the division or not. And they're where they're at right now, largely because their head coach is just kind of a buffoon and doesn't know what he's doing and... We talked about it earlier today. Like he doesn't look at numbers now. Apparently, when it comes to <laughs> trying to make coaching decisions, I mean it's 2019, Jason. Like get with the program, and if you're not, you're going to be fired, and you should be. And just taking the ball out of Dak's hands and putting it in the hands of a kicker to get you down <laughs> by four when you still need a touchdown either way is just so preposterous. <laughs> and he's done it twice and lost both times. So I'm with you on Jason Garrett. Would not hate to see it. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't hate to see Matt Patricia go because you know Hoping go ahead go and there. just shit, sit up and show some respect. You know, I don't know. And he's sit also traded. Yeah, sit up straight. He's also traded away really good players for no reason other than he probably just doesn't get along with them because he wants to change the culture around there. Just like, and isn't he supposed to be a defensive coach? Yeah, and his Their defense, defense is trash. Like really <laughs> terrible. They've given up two hundred and ninety-one points, which is the what? fourth most in the NFC. Fifth wow. most in the NFC. So wow. they're terrible. Wouldn't hate to see Matt. And also, a guy who, after he got the job, it came to light that he had covered up and not told his employer that he was once investigated for sexually yeah. mm-hmm. assaulting someone or whatever it might have been. That's right. Uh, yeah, so great guy. Would hate to see it. Um, so th- you guys hit on the two that I think uh, were obvious, and clearly Marone is, is my pick. But I would also go with Freddie Kitchens as a possibility here. <laughs> yeah. Like a guy yeah. who was in over his head. I I feel like Adam Gase, because he's won a couple of games here, is going to end up keeping his job. But I also want to go with Adam Gase. What about Dan Quinn? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you, you blow. I mean, kudos to him to, for getting that team to the Super Bowl. But you, but you blow a twenty-eight to three lead because you just decide you play calling just wants to go to crap in the Super Bowl <laughs> on the yeah. biggest stage, and then this year he's a defensive guy. He was the defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom and. They haven't really stopped anybody this year at all. So, yeah. Where's Matt Nagy on this list? Um, you know, Just how he's handled that I, offense. I, the kicking thing, here's what drove me crazy about Matt Nagy, is that 
they brought in all these kickers and did all this goofball stuff and had the team watch the missed field goal over and over and over again. Like, the dude is kind of a psycho and really needed to back up what he had done his first year or he was going to be on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. It was very foreseeable. He just seems to be in over his head. I don't know if he's done anything where I've thought, what a bad dude, like Matt Patricia, or this dude really has it coming. It's just... I think he used Andy Reid's offense in the first year, and then everyone's like, oh, you're just doing that. So now we're going to stop you, and your quarterback is bad. But because his quarterback is so bad, I feel a little bad for him. So then I would not, I, would, I wouldn't be heartbroken if Matt Nagy was fired. The only guy I'm going to feel bad for is Pat Trimmer. Yeah, I think me you too. agree on that. Mm-hmm. It's just, what a bad circumstance. Now, if Dave Gettleman got fired, the GM of the Giants, then you would hate to see it. Uh, Manny. <laughs> Great job. Thanks yeah, for popping thank in, you. Jonathan. You tried. Uh, and we'll talk with Arif Hassan when we come back about the final five games of the Viking season and what we should expect and uh, who they would want to and not want to play in the playoffs. We will do that all when we return. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download for this hour. You can download the Score North mobile app and make sure you register for listening rewards. Because this month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the mobile app. Just download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards, and you have your chance to win a $200 Visa gift card just for having our free Score North mobile app. The Gophers, they bounced back over the weekend with a 38-22 win over Northwestern after losing the previous weekend to Iowa and P.J. Fleck. Said he was proud of how his team responding, saying, But I'm really proud of our players responding. The word of the week was respond. And I told a lot of you who were at Iowa that when we are in the locker room after the game, that, that team in that locker room could have played right after that. They wanted to play that bad. They wanted to get that taste out of their mouth so bad. And we had, they showed us that on Sunday. We thought maybe that was just some emotion in there and uh, Saturday after the, the loss. But then they came right back on Sunday and bam. I mean, we had one of our best Sundays that we've had in a long time. They were so locked in, so give them a lot of credit. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, back on Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. And now we bring in our friend from The Athletic to discuss the final five games of the Vikings season, Arif Hassan. What's going on, Arif? Hey, not much. What's going on with you? Well, I I made a couple of decisions after last night. I decided on takes, and I'm going to stick with them no matter what happens. Okay, I'm going to give you both of them. Take number one is the team that the Minnesota Vikings last want to face in this entire world of the NFL is the San Francisco 49ers. Take number two is that the team they most would want to face in the playoffs is the Green Bay Packers. How do you feel about those two takes? Well, I love take one. (laughs) I strongly believe in take one. Uh, And only because the Patriots play in the AFC. Um, Take two is interesting because... Yeah, you know, I don't like. I feel like I feel like it might be Dallas, but Dallas is better than the record, uh, and the Packers are worse than the record. So I think there's an argument that you could that you could make it about the Packers. Yeah, and I think that Dallas, the reason that they would concern me quite a bit if you had to go to Dallas would be their quarterback. I mean, Dak Prescott. Even yesterday, it was a mess, and he was not perfect by any means, but he puts them in position to win. Um, the reason that you would love to face Dallas is that their coach is clueless entirely when it comes to managing a game, and you'll probably just win because of it. Uh, but the reason that I would pick Green Bay is, like you said, I think they are worse than their record. They had a bunch of things go their way early in the season, including one botched call. I forget exactly what 
what happened. There's been an avalanche of botch calls this year. But they shouldn't have gotten a win there. They should not have gotten a win against the Vikings. They were getting steamrolled, and obviously Kirk Cousins threw that game away. So they could easily be much worse than their record. And looking at Aaron Rodgers when he's under pressure now is almost a little sad, Arif. It's like, where did the athleticism go of this guy to be able to break out and make plays? And I just don't think it's there anymore. And he goes under the category of quarterbacks that you have to now scheme him to have great numbers as opposed to him doing it himself. And I'll take that in the playoffs. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. You know, what, three yards per attempt, I think, last night against the 49ers. The 49ers great, great defense, but uh, that is the kind of performance that a bad quarterback puts up against a great defense. You know, they'll hold everybody down, but to hold someone down to three yards per attempt, wild. And the thing is, he was under pressure with like an average of like 34% of the time. I was looking this up, and he he suffered from two drops, a couple of pass deflections, obviously, that could have gone his way, but um, he had negative six yards in the air, um, and so 110 yards after the catch. So he had a, over 100% of his yards uh, come after the catch against the 49ers. And I, yeah, I, I think that you're right. I think that, that he doesn't really have – uh, what made him great, and I think people are really clinging to it because the stuff that he was great at, um, especially when he was really phenomenal, 2011, 2012, 2013, is the stuff that he continues to be really good at, but it's all the stuff in between that he's no longer consistent at, that he's no longer performing really well at. And like you said, some of the stuff that, that he's really well known for, that athleticism moving out of the pocket, he doesn't seem to have anymore. And so that stuff in between is the reason that that offense isn't getting into scoring position all that often. And so his, like, interception numbers continue to look great, and he's got these really amazing highlight throws. But in between the highlight throws and the ability to avoid interceptions, he's just missing yards on the field. And so he's not moving the offense. And there were other times, Arif, where he would stand in the pocket forever. Like, he could make some eggs and bacon back there and eat them and then find somebody open. And with Bulaga going out last night and then the dominance of the San Francisco defensive line, they were just on top of him quick, and he was not comfortable back there, and he couldn't stand back forever and wait for somebody to get open down the field. And it, I would think that the Vikings having Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin and the way they've gotten after quarterbacks would be a good matchup to go up against Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game because they're going to be able to create pressure by themselves. I don't think Bakhtiari is the same guy this year as he's been at times in the past. And if Bulaga is hurt or not playing, and, and you've got Daniil Hunter against the backup tackle, I mean, that's just going to be a bloodbath there. And, and I think the Vikings will not only beat them at U.S. Bank Stadium, but if they play again in the playoffs, that they'll win again. I think that's that's absolutely on the table. Uh, one of the interesting things is that the Packers, I think this year, have the second-best ESPN pass-block win rate, which means that their offensive line has done a really incredible job in the first two seconds at, at winning the snap. But his pressure rate, like I said, is average. So he's holding, he's causing a lot mm-hmm. of the pressure that they're seeing this year. And then on top of that, you know, he's been able to get away with that in the past because he's been able to perform really well under pressure. On top of that, he's not performing under pressure pressure that he's inviting despite doing a really great job of surrounding himself with these really amazing offensive linemen. And now, you know, if, if you're losing uh, talent in terms of like a talent drop-off in Bakhtiari or an injury to Balaga, you know, that, that just exacerbates everything. Like you said, the Vikings have a, a ton of defensive line talent that are primed to take advantage of, of this specific issue. And they do really well, specifically against uh, the Packers tackles. And you know, I think the familiarity thing. Uh, and that and that can cause a lot of problems. And and you know, like you said, you know, he's not 
creating that kind of magic under pressure. Like, yeah, every so often we'll see, you know, that kind of flick of the wrist, fourth and four, you convert by throwing to the running back who nobody saw. Incredible. But you can't do that every single time you're in third and long, and, and, and he didn't. Talking with Arif Hassan of The Athletic, let's let's talk about the other side of the hot take, which is that San Francisco would be the team you would absolutely not want to face if you're the Vikings. And uh, there's a long way to go before we understand how these seedings are going to play out. San Francisco's got a very tough schedule. Seattle, with a win against the Vikings, all of a sudden would have a chance to potentially win the West. So there's a lot to still be decided here. But I look at that defensive line from San Francisco and just say, yep, that would be, if you were designing a team to beat the Vikings, that would be it. If you can dominate with those guys against the Vikings in pass protection and you can shut down the run with four guys up front and not having to load the box, it's going to be very, very difficult for the Vikings to win. And I think what it would look like is a lot of what we saw last night from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, absolutely. And they use that talent really well, too. Like, it's one thing to have really, like, four really incredible defensive linemen and then just have them rushing straight ahead. But they're confusing. They do these stunts and twists. And and the Packers' offensive line normally communicates really well. And we just saw Rodgers, like, in a pile of 49ers uniforms Mm -hmm. because people were missing blocks. They didn't really know kind of what their assignment was. And the Vikings' offensive line doesn't nearly have that chemistry. Like, they may be improved over the past couple of years, low bar. But uh, it, it, it's it's not enough to to deal with a defensive line like that that individually has a ton of really great talent and then really maximizes the use of that talent with the stuff that they do up front. It would and plus, like you mentioned, I mean the Vikings do like to run the ball a lot and they do a really great job of preventing that from being especially because I got that linebacker Fred Warner who's doing a great job shutting down the run and in coverage. And when you look at the other side, I don't necessarily trust Jimmy Garoppolo to win a Super Bowl. But once they got Sanders and and Kittle comes back, as you saw last night, he scores a touchdown. I, I think we would be looking at Kubiak and and, Sh- and and a Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, sort of doing the Spider-Man meme and pointing at each other a little bit. But Shanahan is just on a different level, it seems, of offensive creativity. There's no team that you see people running wide open down the field more than with Kyle Shanahan, and even when the 49ers played the Vikings here at U.S. Bank Stadium to start last season, there were several opportunities that were missed from wide-open receivers where Kyle Shanahan had just out-schemed the Vikings' defense, and now we're looking at a worse version of the Vikings' defense. I think that would be a major problem, too, if they were going up against San Francisco. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up, that they they had a lot of opportunities that they didn't convert. Just, you know, George Kittle dropped a pass. He doesn't do that a ton. Uh, I think deep downfield with Eric Kendricks in coverage, they ran a pretty similar concept, except Kittle is going the other way now on, on that touchdown that he scored uh, against Green Bay. Uh, just a really incredibly creative staff that does, uh, and, and Shannon in particular, that does a great job of, attacking specifically the Vikings. You know, they did a really great job that they just didn't happen to finish with, and we get to see it again and again. And Shannon has a history of being really good at designing an offense. You know, he didn't really have the receiving weapons uh, for his entire tenure in San Francisco, but you you saw what he did in Atlanta, and, like, obviously the Super Bowl mistake aside, uh, I mean, it it was an MVP office, one of the best offenses in the NFL, and now that they continue to grow and have additional weapons, they've got at least, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's at least got, like, weapons that um, himself that y- it's difficult to counter. I-, I know, remember when the Jacksonville Jaguars were playing them back in 2017, and they had this really remarkable defense. They couldn't deal with how quickly Garoppolo got rid of the ball. They couldn't react in time. And that's mm-hmm. just something, no matter kind of how good the quarterback is, it's difficult to deal with. And you pair him with someone like Shanahan, you add Sanders, you've got Kittle, 
And, and it's just a mess. It's a lot to deal with, and it's difficult to read a quarterback like that. Uh, I want to ask you about these final games for the Vikings, Arif, because this is the year of they didn't play anybody. Like uh, the, I've never seen such a gap between the really good teams and the bad teams, or or I should say so many bad teams that if you played them, you automatically won. And uh, if they're on their your schedule, it basically doesn't count. So the Vikings have, you know, win against New York. Sorry, doesn't count. Win against Washington. Nope, nope, can't include that one. Even last week against Denver, everyone told us how much better Denver was. And then they went to Buffalo and scored three points and threw for 82 yards. So sorry if I'm not buying that is some sort of great win for the Vikings. And they're so close to these last two games to having lost both of them to Dallas and Denver as they go to Seattle, as they have to play a Los Angeles team that loses every game by exactly seven points, play Green Bay again, a Chicago team that has solved them uh, every time Kirk Cousins has gone against them in his career as a Viking. How tough is this schedule and how much do we trust this Vikings team? Uh, I the, the toughness of the schedule is actually really difficult to crack because you've got, you know, these mysteries with like Green Bay, I think, uh, the, the Chargers who, like you said, they're always in one score games at the end. They happen to lose them, but you know, the Vikings are the kind of team that you'd feel comfortable saying that's the Chargers one win in a one, in a one score game. Um, it, it, it's weird, right? Because, you know, like you said, the Bears have solved Kirk Cousins, but they're just a bad team. Right. So I don't, I don't know if they'll be prepared based off of what they'll be doing in the final five weeks of the season to enter the playoffs, to enter the Thunderdome, like it, it's going to be tough because when the Vikings face challenges, with the exception of the Denver game, it really feels like they, they haven't been up to meet those challenges. Like obviously they played well in the Cowboys game, but it, it, it's just so difficult to, to say that, hey, they got this one win. It was really incredible. They, they, you know, they came back from no one's ever done it before. And, you know, part of that is because the Denver Broncos offense scored three points in the second half. How how often are you going to say that with this defense that they'll be able to mount that kind of comeback again? So it's tough to trust this team. But at the same time, there's going to be some playoff teams that are part of that bad team category that I think the Vikings should be able to put away. So um, it's it, it, it's interesting. I would not put them in the class of the NFC. Um, but, you know, they've got a shot. <laughs> if Kirk Cousins can Eli Manning his way through the playoffs, you know, They've got a shot. Yeah, it, from one perspective, you would say, well, I mean, they're just better than most of these teams. They're better than Los Angeles. I think they're better overall than Green Bay. Even if their records are the same, they're much better than Chicago. But then you're like, well, okay, the Chicago defense, and it's still Aaron Rodgers, and it's still Russell Wilson here. But I'm fascinated, Arif, how that much that this one game against Seattle next Monday night can swing the entire playoff machine. I was playing around with it uh, last night on ESPN. If you just go to ESPN.com slash NFL slash playoffs slash machine, if you really want to exercise the slash button or just type in playoff machine, I don't care how you get there. Anyway, it's fun to play with. And I I was putting in just, well, what happens if the Vikings win the rest of their games? And what happens if this and whatever? And the scenarios are all over the place. And I, I think that this game can really swing them from, could you potentially have a home playoff game, which I think the Vikings can win against almost anyone if they're playing at U.S. Bank Stadium, versus potentially having to go on the road where I would not trust them. Right, yeah, and it's weird because Seattle is this immensely talented team that just makes it difficult for themselves all the time. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so uh, you, you have to it's it's a it's a it's a situation where you have to trust that the team 
can pounce on opportunities. And I don't know that this is a team that necessarily pounces on opportunities. There's a lot of opportunities available in that Green Bay game that they missed out on. And, and I think part of the reason they had to come back from Denver in the first place is because they were missing opportunities that existed in the first half. So uh, it, it's tough to say that this is a team that pounces on opportunities, but, you know, they'll be there. Uh, and, and, and Seattle doesn't unleash its super weapon passing the ball until about the fourth <laughs> quarter. So uh, there's opportunities. But, I mean, you know, Russell Wilson is – one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And, and Kirk Cousins, despite having a statistical resume that says something like that, isn't. So it, 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 it'll be a, a really ridiculously tough game. And like you said, it, it defines so much because it might control who gets the, the number one or two seed. It might, might control whether or not you know the Vikings have a conference tiebreaker with Green Bay if something goes weird on Green Bay's end. It controls a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, and it just the the kind of perfect setup uh, as we go into the final stretch of the season for two teams that are playing really great, and like you mentioned, the quarterback play uh, statistically you got the number one and number two quarterback rating quarterbacks in the NFL at this moment. Um, so it should be a, a very exciting one to look forward to. So Arif, great stuff. Uh, appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, Arif Hassani writes for The Athletic. And let me check, make sure I know his Twitter name. It's Arif Hassan NFL is where you can follow him. Um, so th- this game, there, there have been other ones that are fun to build up to this season. Like, you know, Chicago at the time, we didn't know Chicago was garbage. Uh, that was fun. Philadelphia, same thing. Didn't know they were that bad. KC was great, and it lived up to it. I mean, it was a close game. The Dallas won same thing. These last couple of weeks have been pretty wild. 26-23, 28-24, and 27-23, the last three games for the Vikings. And two of them had all sorts of drama and great players involved. And this one, I feel like, ramps it up much, much more even going to Seattle. The site of the crime with John Filippo last year as well, the game that got him fired, and uh, the Vikings are probably looking for Kevin Stefanski to right the wrongs. And what's interesting about Kevin Stefanski being the offensive coordinator and not John Filippo is Filippo seemed to have no answers for when bad Kirk showed up, for when the yeah, little... Duh, when the backward pass do. Kirk yeah, showed up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but Stefanski has had answers. Screen passes against Kansas City, got him going early with quick throws against Dallas, and then against Denver going two-minute offense. Unlike whatever the heck that uh, Green Bay... Sorry, I almost did what you did earlier. Uh, whatever the heck... Uh, I take three days off and forget that we're on the air. You forget the FCC violation? I saved it. Um, you did. Whatever the gosh darn it Green Bay was doing last night, running down twenty three to nothing. Kevin Stefanski did the exact opposite. He said these are these things aren't working. So let's flip this around and let's go shotgun and let's put him in two minute and that'll get him going. And it ultimately worked for the Vikings against Denver. Uh, Jonathan, before the show, you wrote uh, a bunch of things and sent them to me for questions, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to answer them. So why don't you give us some NFL music, and that's how we'll end the show, is I will answer the questions that you had going into today's show. All right. Uh, Earlier this year, you said uh, you would take Kirk Cousins over Aaron Rodgers because of the contract and some other things. Do you feel any differently after what we saw last night from Aaron Rodgers and then what we saw last week from Kirk Cousins? I think last night confirmed the reason why. I would have taken at the beginning of the season before week two when we said, who would you take, Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins? Not just as a quarterback to win one game, but considering everything. 
including and especially their contracts, 100% would still take Kirk Cousins. Aaron Rodgers is more talented. There's no doubt about that. But there's nothing in Aaron Rodgers' recent resume that is much different from Kirk Cousins. And this year, Cousins has been the better of the two quarterbacks. If you go back to 2016, Aaron Rodgers is 28-21-1 for his win-loss record with a 100.3 quarterback rating, okay? Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, no, no one's saying throw him in the trash. But when you look at Kirk Cousins since 2016... And hold on, let me do it. Websites, addresses, I had this. Uh, he has a quarterback rating of 99.8 and a 31-26-2 record. They've basically been the same quarterback. few more turnovers for Cousins, better yards per attempt for Cousins, mm-hmm. but almost the same rating, almost the same win-loss record. And I don't think that Aaron Rodgers can just pick your team up on his back and take them to victory anymore. And if you can't do that, it's not worth the contract. So the answer is yes. I would still rather have Cousins, including his contract, than Aaron Rodgers. All right. Uh, Sticking with Aaron Rodgers and his Green Bay Packers, are they more vulnerable than we previously thought? Or was that just a really, really good 49ers squad destroying them last night? I do think it's a really, really good 49ers team that's emerged as the best team Mm -hmm. in Maybe the NFL, because the Patriots offense is a little wonky, but yeah, I want to see good. the Ravens tonight to decide. The Ravens might be the best team in the NFL. Okay, But I think if I'm picking right now, I'm going with San Francisco. That is a major factor. Green Bay was supposed to stand up to that, though, and they didn't at all. No. I wouldn't go full fraud on Green Bay, <laughs> but also if I'm ranking the playoff teams of all the ones that are currently in the playoffs, San Francisco, New Orleans, Minnesota, Green Bay, Seattle, Dallas, I'm picking Green Bay as last out of those teams. How much of last night was the factor of Aaron Rodgers not being able to pick teams up on his back and just carry them? And or or and just the inexperience of the coaching staff? A, a big part of it. A big part of it. Um, it, it looked like they were out-schemed. Matt LaFleur said they were out-schemed today after looking at the game. They definitely did not look like uh, they were ready for that one, for mm-hmm. everything that San Francisco was going to throw at them. But also, on the San Francisco side, I think they have a great coaching staff. Like, maybe one of the best in the entire NFL. And Shanahan has long been thought of by people in the game as the most creative, innovative, and so forth with his offenses. It's just that he had two quarterbacks get hurt last year. And when he started with Jimmy G, they traded for him halfway through the season. This is his first real chance to have Jimmy Garoppolo for a full year, and you're really seeing what they could do. Are you surprised that... John Lynch has actually worked as a GM. Not tremendously surprised. Uh, they had high picks. Yeah. And we were debating with Sage Rosenfels about how to rebuild. High picks is a way to rebuild. <laughs> Helps. Bosa looks pretty darn good. Uh, that's how you do it. Um, they were able to get an opportunity to trade for a very good quarterback. And they, they've built smartly and made the right move to get Emmanuel Sanders when it was yeah. necessary. And then you have to hit some home runs on random picks. George Kittle, I believe, was the ninth drafted tight end in his draft class, and he's a superstar. <laughs> like, who knows? That's amazing, sometimes, right? All right, we talked about the playoffs and which team you'd want to face quickly. Rank the NFC teams from least to most that the Vikings would want to face in the playoffs. Least, I will go. They would least want to face San Francisco, mm-hmm. and then New Orleans, and then Seattle, then D- then Dallas, then Green Bay. But if Philadelphia is in it, I'll take the Vikings versus Philadelphia anywhere, anytime. Do, I think they own that team now. Do any of those rankings change if the Vikings are at home? 
No, I don't think so. San Francisco is much harder in San Francisco. Yeah. Actually, I'll go. Yeah, that's a good question. I do think that I would change that. If the Vikings are at home, I'll take San Francisco instead of New Orleans because Drew Brees has shown at U.S. Bank Stadium he can play there. Yeah. All right. Fun show, yeah. Jonathan. Um, Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. Rami's in Milwaukee for some reason. Yep. He's okay. there. Judd's right. not Judd's here Judd's not here. What is going on? It's one of those weeks. It's going to snow tomorrow. Our pets' heads are falling off. All right. Um, we will catch you tomorrow. It's a short week for us, uh, but it'll be Courtney Cronin and Alex Boone. So we'll have lots of fun. We'll uh, catch you then on Purple Daily. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.